What's up, disc golfers? Joe here with Joe's Disc Golf and uh, doing a little bit different setup here, as you can see. I uh, talked about the funness that is behind me, getting the studio a little more prepared, uh, you could say. But that was uh, talked about during the FPO round two highlights. Unfortunately, I couldn't get to round one, three, four, or five because. And life gets in the way sometimes. And um, yeah, that's about all I can say. You know, life gets in the way and uh, say la vie. But here we are with the Joe's Disc Golf Podcast brought to you by Log. What rolls downstairs? A loner in Paris rolls over your neighbor's dog. What's great for a snack and it fits on your back? It's Log, Log, Log. It's big, it's heavy, it's wood. It's better than bad. It's good. Everyone wants a Log. You're going to love it, Log. Log from Blamo. Get yours now. So, Worlds happened. And, of course, plenty of things happened at Worlds. Lots of fun stuff. Paul Macbeth wins number six. Kristen Tatar wins number one. Pretty sweet there. That's all I got to say with that. Um, of course, a little bit of drama. Elaine King can't help herself, can she? This time, instead of helping Paige Pierce, it was helping Katrina Allen. It was very obvious on, I believe it was, it was Emporia Country Club. Katrina Allen threw a shot that ended up in the tall stuff, in the weeds, and it was bad. And they were looking in the wrong spot. And Elaine King goes, hey, Terry, tell them to look over here. That's where the disc is. Uh, again, same as before, you are a media person. You are not supposed to be helping at all. I don't care if you think you're helping with the best of intentions. You are giving an unfair advantage to, I forget at the time, if Katrina Allen was on uh, a chase card or whatever, some camera coverage, of course. So uh, you can't do that. You can't, you can't do that. It's just not, it's not possible. You're unintentionally cheating, basically giving that unfair advantage to some of the better players and helping them out. Now, did it change things? Eh, not too much that I could tell. I believe Katrina Allen still finished in 11th place, so that's not that great, especially for her. But, hey, you know what? It is what it is. If we could just get Elaine King to commentate, tell her commentate, and hold her comments about whatever's going on in the course that would be great because we don't need that right now um i'm already not a huge fan at all after the whole Paige pierce kristen tatar issue at champions cup we managed to skirt by uswdgc with no issues and european open with no issues but here we are at worlds with issues again dgn you got to do something. You got to get her under control. You got to figure this shit out because what the hell? This is getting ridiculous. Every time it seems that I flip on coverage, even though I don't want to, I usually turn it off whenever she's there. I end up just like, ugh, I'm just annoyed. And this was Worlds. So it's like, well, I got to watch Worlds. It's Worlds. It's awesome. And now we're through Worlds and it's so much fun. And speaking of uh, getting through worlds and having fun and 
getting beaten by a world champion, Aaron Gossage and myself have something in common. We both lost this past week to a world champion, believe it or not. Now, his was a little more impressive, taking it to a playoff, losing to now six-time world champion Paul McBeth. I lost it to one-time junior champion, Hiram. Hiram, great job. You shot great that day. You, you kicked my butt, dude. You kicked my butt. But hey, that is what it is. He's world champion. I'm not. Aaron Gossage, I feel your pain, man. Feel your pain, except I didn't lose out on $20,000. Or, well, what would the difference be? About uh, what was the breakdown? I didn't lose out on uh, $6,500 like Aaron Gossage did by taking second with a cool $13,500 payday versus Paul McBeth's $20,000 payday. But hey, you know, that is what it is. And speaking of winning your sixth, Paul McBeth was walking. With some big old balls, that's for sure. Not only did he plan to win his sixth title, we all plan to win things or plan to do our best. But him and Discraft were uh, very much banking on him winning because they launched a new disc, the Athena, six letters for six world titles. Paul Macbeth has not hidden the fact that his Paul Macbeth line with Discraft is all about his different levels of winning championships four, five, and six with the Luna, the Malta, the Zeus, the Hades, now the Athena. Damn, those are some big old balls. Because come on, like, no offense. Like, going out there with those intentions to go like, yeah, this is for the six, and you don't even have it yet? Whew. I know it's Paul Macbeth, but come on. Tristan Tanner was leading at one point. Aaron Gossage was leading all the way up until the end. And Paul Macbeth was definitely battling through something physically, mentally. You could see bruises. You could see his form was a little bit off. You could just see that his putting was a little bit off. You could watch his body language. I even made a comment in the first round, in the first couple holes that he was on coverage. His body language looked a little off. I don't know what's going on physically, mentally, whatever. It doesn't matter. He pulled it out in the end. He forced himself. He willed himself. This was the Michael Jordan blue game here for Paul Macbeth, willing himself to be able to do this and to be able to win. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. I can't believe he did this. Like, obviously he was, he, he is the best. He is, he's definitely the greatest of this generation. I will make the argument that comparing between generations, especially now with the discs that Climo used in his time versus the discs we're now using now, it's just incomparable. Because uh, you can even look, Paul put up a video, ooh, it was probably close to a year ago now, where he got some hands on with discs from the 80s and 90s, and everything was understable. Everything was like crazy. He couldn't do half the shots, or it was very, very difficult to do most of the shots he can do now. And it has nothing to do with his skills. He is obviously having, he, he has great skills. And yet, when he has these discs, it was much, much, much harder to do. So, all right, it's hard to compare. It's comparing uh, Michael Jordan and Larry Bird and Kobe. And yes, there's some crossover in that play, but they never played each other at their peaks, essentially. They're always on, one guy was always on the decline. 
you know, Larry Bird was at the tail end of his career when Michael Jordan was playing. Kobe was there and Michael was at the end of his career, essentially the first time, second time. Either way. You know what I'm saying? So it's hard to tell. They're both fantastic disc golfers and whoever the next person is, it could be someone that's out on tour now. It could be someone who won worlds as a junior. It could be someone who's not even playing yet. That's where disc golf is in our awesomeness of the sport. So who knows? Maybe we'll see something there. Maybe we won't. I don't know. But it was really cool to watch Paul McBeth win it, to see McBeast mode activate on those last couple holes, to somehow overcome his mistake. Uh, Aaron Gossage overcoming his mistake there on uh, 15 or 16, coming back, bouncing back ends up tying it. They both are tied going in there, goes to the playoff. And unlike last year, Paul Macbeth was able to stick the island and just walk it in, essentially, because Aaron Gossage threw it a bit too low. And yes, it was on land, but no, it was below the OB line, which say what you will about it. That OB line was there all week, all ahead of time. It was painted. Everybody knew where that was. It might not have been clear with the camera coverage, but it was clear to the players. So he knew what he had to do and he knew he screwed up and that's what it is. But overall, that battle down to the end with Paul McBeth, Aaron Gossage, Aaron, Ron Swanson, Gossage, because, oh God, we'll get, we'll get into that, those memes a little bit later, but yes, that's, that's where it is. And congratulations to Paul McBeth on number six. Wonder how many more he has left in the tank. And moving on to our other winner, the FPO champion, Kristen Tatar. Holy macaroni. It was Kristen Tatar's to lose, and she won it. She learned her lessons from what happened in Champions Cup and was able to just take it home. Just like, I'm not, I'm not screwing this up. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do anything stupid. I'm gonna take this, and this is mine. And y'all better catch up. And unfortunately, some people were not able to keep pace. It was Paige Pierce and Katrina Allen, the five-time world champion and most recent world champion. Couldn't quite get it done, unfortunately. Paige Pierce ended up finishing in fifth place, which is a pretty rough finish for her. She was tied with Evelina Solonen, which Evelina Solonen looked pretty solid up until the pressure got on and suddenly she started missing those putts. Like, she was looking pretty good again. Her putting wasn't great, but for her, it was looking pretty good. And then all of a sudden, the yips kicked in and it was game over. And suddenly, it didn't matter that she could bomb it a mile on two courses that were decently open. Yes, there's OB, there were some trees, and there were strategic landing zones. But for the most part, it was grip it and rip it. And Evelina just couldn't finish out, unfortunately. Uh, Henna did much better, but still ended up cracking a little bit under pressure. She kind of got close there in the third round where Kristen didn't quite have it all together. She she stumbled a little bit, we will say. She is battling that elbow injury, which we don't know exactly what it is. Uh, she has said on the Ulti World interview series that it is something that's not going to get worse. Uh, she's not afraid of breaking anything or her words might be a little bit of a language barrier there because she's got to translate from I don't know what language they speak in Estonia I don't uh, but they have to she has to translate from 
medical, to her language, to English. And then back. It, it's just rough. It's rough. So I can understand that. Um, and, and that's probably, you know, explain it like I'm five. You know, that's what her therapist or doctor has probably told her. Is like, you can't break it. Whatever. You know how many times that I have said the phrase to my athletes and my patients, your muscles are angry. And that's why XYZ hurts. Your hips were off for three weeks. And so we got everything back. And now your muscles are back where they should be, but they're angry about it. That's how I explain things sometimes because, you know, I'm dealing with obviously not professional athletes and not um, I'm dealing with high school aged athletes. So you need to you need to explain it like you're five sometimes. Even when I worked with the college, even when I work with adults who know nothing about medical. So enough of that tangent. No idea what's going on with Kristen Tatar and her injury, though. It could be a couple different things. Uh, She did mention that surgery could be an option. Physical therapy could be an option. We'll see where it goes. Hopefully we get to see her next season without many issues. She is going to finish out the rest of the Disc Golf Pro Tour season here. And she plans to be at the Pro Tour Championship because in, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, the purse, the prize, the cashola, the moolah, the dinero, the scratch does not hurt. That's for sure. Uh, paraphrase that a little bit. But uh, when asked about if the money had anything to do with it, she kind of chuckled a little bit and was like, oh, you know, doesn't hurt. Um, again, paraphrasing. Uh, go listen to it. Great interview with Kristen Tatar. Uh, she looked great for the most part. Again, a couple stumbles throughout the rounds. She said that she felt like she didn't play that great through uh, rounds two and three, even though, I don't know, from the outside looking in, looked pretty good. Obviously, like I said, round three ended up in a tie with Henna Blumroos, but I thought she looked pretty darn good. Hey, whatever. Whatever it is. I believe it was Henna, or was it Evelina? Either way, it doesn't matter. Um, Holland Hanley sneaking up in there because Holland Hanley, holy macaroni, she looked really good. But yes, Holland Hanley, she looked pretty solid there uh, for being really new on tour, playing well above her rating. She looked fantastic. Dynamic Discs has got to be pretty excited and the Trilogy family in general with Kristen and Holland doing so well. Missy Gannon, I, you know, she's a second half of the season player. It's that's kind of the reputation she's gaining there. She is doing all right. In the first half of the season and then come roughly USWDGC or, you know, whenever that happens to land and that middle season in June ish, she just like turns it on. It's like, what up? A Missy Gannon beat me, yo. And a couple people did, but she really turns it on. The Disc Golf Pro Tour champion tournament champion from last year has really stepped up her game. Paige Pierce, as I mentioned, fifth place uh, did not look great. Uh, she lets her mental game get in the way of her physical abilities where she'll screw up a hole, whatever it is. She bogeys it or pars, you know, it's a it's a birdie. It's it's a hole that you have to birdie. She pars it or bogeys a hole or just doesn't throw well. And then all of a sudden feels like she has to make up every single shot in in the next hole. And that's just that's not how golf works. Disc golf, ball golf, foot golf, whatever golf you want to do. It's just not that's that's not how it works what what you need to do is minimize your mistakes and go with the flow as they happen because you're gonna make a mistake i don't care if you're 
you know, Kristen Tatar, Paul Macbeth, Ricky Wysocki, uh, Valerie Mondahano, Katrina Allen, doesn't matter who you are. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to have a drive that goes shorter than you thought, clips a tree, goes OB. You miss that 25-footer that you've been nailing all day. You miss a 10-footer. I've done it. I'm nowhere near a professional. We've watched Evelina do it. For whatever reason, it happens. It does. But what you have to do is have mental strategies to go like, all right, well, I bogeyed hole three. Let's go for hole four. Forget about hole three. We're going to do this or make the slight adjustment like, oh, okay. You know, it turns out that uh, it seems like there is a much stronger right to left win on hole three. We're turning around and going the opposite direction. So it's a left to right on hole four. Let's make a correction and then just forget about the bad shot. Look at it as, all right, did I execute what I wanted to do? What was the result? Did this go as planned? Just just break it down into simple things like, all right, did I did I hit my aiming point? If the answer is yes, all right, you're doing all right. What was the result of that? Did it go all right? Yes or no? Was my aiming point then off? Like you could have done everything exactly like you wanted, but then realized what you wanted to do wasn't the right thing. Now, obviously, these pros practice a ton, but it can still happen. Look what happened uh, with Paul Macbeth. He clips a tree and still ends up making a hero shot to tie it up at the end. It's what he needed to do there at that point. But round one, round two, you shake it off. Maybe you try to do something a little aggressive, but nothing too crazy. But at that point, you're obviously pushing. You want to get the win. And yeah, so Paige Pierce, there's definitely something going on with her mental game. And she needs to to clean up her golf a little bit and definitely just develop some mental strategies to help with this. Now, you can go see a sports psychologist or you could see a mental performance coach or mental performance professional there. As I've learned fairly recently, those are two very different things. A sports psychologist, uh, as it implies, is a psychologist with obviously an emphasis in sports, but you can do things like they'll do things like figure out your deeper levels of depression or figure out your deeper levels of anxiety where a mental performance coach will identify like this situation can cause some anxiety. Here's how we deal with it to cope with it. This is like I've you noticed this mental pattern or this is your trigger that sends you down this road of negativity that ends up screwing you up. Here's how we stop that. Here's how we identify it early and get through it. You know, it, it really does make a big difference. Hopefully in the next coming weeks, I'll be able to get a hold of a local mental health coach and we can get way deeper into that uh, just in general, not about any specific person. Craziness. Ah, I don't know what's going on there, but. It is what it is. That's about all I can say for that now. It was pretty exciting to watch that. And like I said, Kristen Tatar did really well. Hannah Blumroos did fantastic. And Holland Hanley, watching that lead card was a ton of fun in the final round. And seeing just Kristen walk it in and get handed that trophy that was getting memed on from the second people saw it to the second, the second Kristen raised it over her head. I'm sorry, but that trophy, like... I clearly have a bias towards DD. I, I like their stuff. I really do. But that trophy, oh, that was 
some people have said it's like a fourth grade project. Um, I think it was more of a local artist, abstract artist rendition of what a disc golf trophy should be. I don't know what was going on there. Paul Macbeth did show on the Nick and Matt show the other day that he did have this uh, glass or crystal world that said worlds on it. So I think they I think they figured something out there because it got memed on and just it was bad. I'm sorry. I tried to like it. I really did. I really, really did. I tried so hard. But that trophy. uh, 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 Guys. What happened there? I mean, that's that's one of the things like you. It's an easy it's an easy solution. Every town has a trophy shop. Come on. Every town. If not, Google is your best friend when it comes to that. You can hop on Amazon and find something, I'm sure. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I, I do like what some of the guys on um, uh, Foundation have said. Get some kind of Stanley Cup type trophy for the majors that we know are there. And that like, hey, here is the world's trophy. And here you go. You're going to raise it up. We're going to put your name on it and then we're going to keep it. You know, you get to hold on to it, have the pictures with it. Maybe you hold it for six months, a year, whatever. And then you bring it back to Worlds next year. It gets back to Worlds and then the next person gets their name inscribed on it and all that stuff. And you could do that for Champions Cup or European Open if or European turn, whatever that fourth major is. I don't know. Is that going to be back to an every other year thing or is it an every year thing or what are we doing with that? I don't know. And then you get, you know, the USWDGC and USDGC trophies and have something, spend a ton of money, spend five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars on one of these trophies. And it's a one time investment. That's it. It's a one time investment. And then it gets to be awesome in there. And then you give something smaller, maybe a replica, maybe a commemorative disc, a commemorative plaque or something that says, hey, I am a world's champion. But. That is. I don't know what's going on with that. That's that's uh, that was rough. But eleven thousand dollars to Kristen Tatar, two hundred thousand dollars up for the purse, two hundred thousand dollars, two hundred thousand acres. What will it cost, man? What will it cost? Uh, I know another great movie reference there. Great, great movie. Blazing Saddles. Hilarious. Uh, only watch it if you're allowed to watch uh, an R-rated movie for language we'll say that back to back to the disc golf so there was that that was that was another fun little storyline that we had happening there it was it was awesome just to see her to do that and at no point did Kristen Tatar really look out of place doing it which is the best part about this is she kept her game plan I think she learned from her mistakes from Champions Cup and she she blew it We'll be we'll be honest there. She blew it at Champions Cup. It was hers. OB bogey just she gave it to Paige. So. Yep, <laughs> that was that was that. And then I can't forget to talk about some of the other memeing that was going on with one Aaron Gossage. First of all, he did phenomenal. I, just watching him play. He hadn't really done much before that. Like his his finishes before this, you know, we'll we'll take a look here at the pro tour standings here. 
the uh, Las Vegas Challenge, 57th. Uh, Waco, he was 5th, so not bad. But then Texas State's 50th. We had uh, 43rd at Jonesboro. Uh, Santa Cruz Masters Cup was 53rd. He did well at, at Dynamic Discs Open. He did 3rd, which is pretty solid there. DGPT Portland, he was 12th. Preserve, 16th. 87th at Idlewild. He's kind of been all over the place. Great Lakes, 38th. Ledgestone, 32nd. Uh, Des Moines Challenge, 64th. And then, Worlds, second place. He improved. He was able to keep the disc inbounds and do better. However, Aaron, Ron, Swanson, Gossage, come on, like, that's awesome. If, if you haven't seen the meme, you have to. You have to see it. Because he, he looks like him. He looks like Ron Swanson. Uh, uh, Nick Offerman, I believe, is his name. So he did such a great job there. He did such a fantastic job. Really impressed. I was expecting him to crack the whole time. I was expecting him to, at some point, just pee down his leg and freak out because he is on lead card. He's playing against Paul McBeth, and he is winning. He's right up there. He's tied. And he never really did. He made a mistake. So did Paul. Whoop de doo Like I said before, with the whole page thing, mistakes happen and you have to roll with the punches. You have to figure out your game plan going forward. Like you can't get it all back. Obviously, I commend Paul for, again, taking that mistake and then going big on a hero shot and makes an insane shot. But at the end of the tournament for Worlds, you have to take that chance. Middle of the round, eh, it happens. Even then, he did a fantastic job it was too bad that he ended up ob on the island shot speaking of bees the bee pool we had tristan tanner but we had like nothing about him because he was in the bee pool and i don't like i get it disc golf network has limited resources and bee pool was the bottom half in terms of ratings of the world's MPO field. That's what happens. It is. It, it's, they were, they're the bottom half in terms of that. But Tristan Tanner was able to go like, hey, just because my rating sucks, relatively, doesn't mean I can't go off and can't shoot the hot round. Shoot a 13 down at Emporia Country Club. It was crazy. So they finally, finally got him some camera coverage at Jones Supreme during round two, but uh, it wasn't that great. He ended up finishing third in a massive tie for third, but we need to figure something out with that. On top of that, also UDisc, there's, you know, this is really kind of the first time that they've had to do something like this, but with the pool play, everything was getting confused because you couldn't tell exactly who was where in what place for those first two rounds, just because obviously they're playing two different courses. They swapped and then played the other courses. However, it was just weird that UDisc, it was just, it was difficult to follow along if you're just following UDisc, in my opinion. And who knows, maybe that's something we change for the future. Maybe it's just something we deal with because I don't know when we're going to have a split field like that. Obviously, they're going to make the field as large as possible. And they did. It was quite a huge field in terms of both, but obviously the uh, the MPO field, far larger than the FPO field. 
I don't I don't understand. They they need to figure something out with that because we have no footage of this amazing round. And again, limitation of our sport right now. We don't have a camera on every hole. We don't have camera crew camera crews following all these people around. It's just at this point in our sport, it's not feasible. But we are heading that way. I did like the addition of being able to follow two holes the entire time. You just turn the stream on and you get to watch everybody go through i believe it was hole 16 at jones and hole was it hole one i don't i don't remember the holes off the top of my head right now but being able to just sit there and go all right so this is how everybody's doing this this is how everybody's doing that then they got to cut to great shots or aces or whatever as we're eight or hole getting an ace we got to see that it was so cool they did a good job with that and i thought overall the quality of the stream uh outside of say a few one uh color commentator i thought it was a pretty good job um again you know it is what it is <sighs> here's one of the weird things though the the cost to get in to watch if you wanted to watch very very expensive it was like a hundred bucks for a weekday or a day or one course or no, it wasn't. It was, it was only the one course. But still, it was a ton of money. And the crowds didn't look that great. You know, yes, it is. Emporia is not a huge, thriving metropolis. But Kansas City, Missouri is about an hour and a half away. You could get people to fly into KC Mo and then drive over there. You could get people driving up from within a six, eight hour you know driving radius i don't know what big cities are in that area you get some maybe some texas oklahoma that kind of area iowa you know even from indiana i've made that drive before it was like 10 ish hours on a motorcycle not very comfortable but hey it is what it is i say that a lot but i thought the prices were a little steep in terms of that and they could have done more to encourage, to lower the price, to encourage more people to be there. Obviously, European Open, everything was free. And that was a bit of a difference there. And I can understand, you know, wanting to make it free versus wanting to charge. I, I get that, trying to recoup some of your losses. I understand that. And I think there's some kind of happy middle ground or some, you know, it's 100 bucks, but you get all the courses. You could go, you could bounce between all of them and go from there i don't know i don't know it is it is crazy it is crazy to think about that <sighs> but they love you i'm curious though about what this means going forward and how many people are going to play this next silver series that is happening this weekend over in pittsburgh because it's the week before the um, Des Moines Challenge and or not Des Moines Challenge uh, GMC I believe it's GMC is first and how many pros are going to be there at the Silver Series instead of taking the week off we know Kristen Tatar is going to be there and there's going to be a handful of people that will be there but honestly the Silver Series points don't matter too much unless you just you know live in the van life you're headed out that way anyway you could play it or you could just head out get some early practice rounds out 
getting ready for Maple Hill, getting ready for GMC, just getting ready for the playoffs because there is going to be a cut and it's going to be the top 100 or so, I believe it was, for MPO. And then that field's going to get cut down and then cut down again to only those who will be able to play for the uh, Disc Golf Pro Tour Championship where they're going to do that bracket play, that match play stuff again. And we'll see how that goes. There aren't too many people. And, and you also have USDGC in that mix, too. So it'll be really interesting. I know there's a couple USDGC spots open. So for those who have not qualified yet for USDGC, then this is a good opportunity to hopefully get a spot if you haven't gotten it yet. Uh, but the points overall, I don't expect a lot of I don't expect a lot of top names to be at Pittsburgh this weekend. That's my opinion. Maybe we'll see. I don't know. At the time of recording, we'll see. There's still plenty of time to drop out. It's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday tournament. And uh, I guess we'll just see. We'll see. Again, I don't expect it to be very high quality in terms of everything else. Remember, you'll only get post-produced for Friday, Saturday. Final round will be live on the Disc Golf Network and I believe their YouTube channel. We'll see how that goes. And then after that, it's playoff time, baby. It is playoff time, which will have more getting into that playoff series. And then we start the wraparound schedule after the Pro Tour Championship, which will be interesting. We'll have a little more disc golf to talk about, have some more stuff to talk about during the offseason, because, brother, it was a struggle last year, and now the offseason just got a little bit shorter. I don't expect a ton of people to play in the wraparound uh, in December, but they could, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. Easy way to get some points early, or just keep in the swing of things, get some money because they are Silver Series. We'll see what happens. What do you guys think about having a Silver Series and the Disc Golf Pro Tour season? I have heard things online that they're not too... uh, It's kind of mixed. I'm of the mindset that it's not a bad idea where Worlds ends the season, essentially, and then you have the Silver Series for people to try to get in, try to qualify for USDGC. It's not a required tournament, essentially, not in the same way that a full pro tour stop is where you could have people if you want to play they'll go out they'll go and play try to earn some extra money try to get those last couple points maybe just make it across the cut line and then you've got other guys like ricky or paul or simon who are just like no i don't need it whatever i'm gonna go home i'm gonna rest i'm I'm gonna recover i'm gonna get ready for the playoffs i'm gonna get ready for the pro tour championship i'm gonna get ready for usdgc I'm just going to get ready. I'm going to do what I need to do to get my body ready for the rest of this season, this last month or so, month and a half. So I think having a silver series there is a good idea. It's a nice way, like I said, to end it. Maybe you have some people there. Maybe you don't. You don't feel like you have to be there. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that about does it. A decent length episode here, about half hour, 40 minutes. And uh, I want to thank you all for watching. Thank you all for subscribing. Thank you all for listening on YouTube, on Anchor, on Apple and Google Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you get this. If you're watching, you could listen onto all of the major podcast apps. If you're listening, you can watch My Ugly Mug on YouTube. Who knows? Maybe you like what you see. Probably not. 
I get it. But thank you all for watching. Remember, if you get kicked deeper into the woods, then you have transgressed against Treesus. But if you get a great tree kick, you need to thank Treesus because you are doing something right. Thank you all for watching. As always, I've been Joe, you've been awesome, and I can't wait to see you all in the next video.